Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I am your host, Tracy Thomas. We are back this week with executive editor at Sunset Magazine, Hugh Garvey. Hugh joins us for our book club discussion of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Samin Nostrat. That's right. We're taking on our first ever cookbook. There are no spoilers today. Here is your weekly reminder. In the show notes, there is a link. That link will take you to all the books discussed today, as well as the social media accounts for the stacks and our guests. Plus, if you shop through the links on Amazon, you're helping to keep the stacks free. If you're in need of a book recommendation, send us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. Myself and my guest will read it on air and give you a personalized book recommendation. So email askingthestacks at gmail.com with your name, what you're looking for, and maybe a few titles you've loved or hated. If you like the stacks and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. First of all, you can join us on Patreon. You earn perks like our virtual book club and get to connect with other listeners of this podcast. Plus, you get to rest easy knowing your contribution helps to make this show possible. So head over to patreon.com slash the stacks to be a part of this fantastic community. The last thing is the easiest. Just subscribe to the stacks. Leave us a rating and a review. It's super helpful and it's super easy. So please, please, please take a moment to do that. And of course, we always invite you to tell someone you know about the show. Okay, now it's time for my conversation with Hugh Garvey about salt, fat, acid, heat. All right, you guys, we are back again today with Hugh Garvey. Hugh is a food and lifestyle writer. He works at Sunset Magazine as an executive editor. Hugh, welcome back to The Stacks. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yay. Um, Okay, today I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this episode for a while. Um, We're talking about Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by Samin Nostrat. Um, And I should say the illustrations are by Wendy McNaughton because the illustrations are a huge part of this book and I want to make sure she gets her props. Um, It's a cookbook with a lot of non not recipes, which is kind of amazing. Um, so we always start in the same place. What do you think? What did you think of the book? I mean, I love it. It's um, it is it is in some ways the perfect cookbook. Like I've I've have in the past owned some five hundred cookbooks, um, which I recently uh, winnowed down to <laughs> I don't know maybe eighty or so, and wow. this is one of the books that will forever remain in the shortlist and would even, I think, go into the top 10. 
And um, yeah. it's like, you know, I mean, I look at this book from the lens of a, you know, of a food editor and writer. And, you know, I mean, I worked at, you know, Bon Appetit for nine years and and I've written two cookbooks. And the funny um, thing is that she, so we, we've always said this at, at all, at, at, at every magazine that I've worked at in which we worked with food, basically it's like, you know, the, the main thing we just got it, we wish we could just tell people like, and so much about food that they would never need a recipe again. Mm. Right. And I, I don't think we actually would mean that, but right. she goes very, she gets very she close, gets close to she bumps up right against that recipes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think this is, I don't, I'm going to say this, not trying to be too over the top. I think this is one of the most beautiful books I've ever owned. As far as aesthetically, it's so beautiful. I love her tone. I love her approach. She's clearly smart. She clearly knows what she's doing, but she's not super pretentious, even though she's telling you about her time at Chez Panisse, which is like so pretentious, right? For a chef, normally you'd be like, get out of here, Alice Waters wannabe. But she has a sense of humor about it. And it just strikes the right tone. I felt so inspired reading the book. I like to cook, but I, there are so many things that she talks about in this book that I've been scared to try, like a braid, like braises or ragouts, where I'm like, I don't know. I love to eat them at a restaurant, but I never try it at home. And there's a part where she says, next time you cook a duck, just render the fat. And I'm like, I am going to cook a duck. I'm going to find a place to get a duck and I'm going to try because she really, I felt like she believed that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I could do it. It's so great. Yeah. This is a book that I would give to um, I would, anyone uh, and will give to everyone that I know uh, as we approach the holidays uh, as a gift um, yeah. who, who loves to cook because it really is, it's, it is um, empowering is yeah. you know, essentially what it is. And it is, it's, it's, um, it, it's not so much like even like, you know, I, I want to say, yeah, she unlocks the secrets of why things work and, she does, but it doesn't feel as um, uh, it doesn't feel as kind of uh, strident as unlocking. She just makes right. it sound fun and natural, right. and, and and it doesn't feel cheap. Like mm-hmm. this is the secret to cooking. Yeah. Like yeah. it feels really. You read it and you think, okay, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I understand what too salty is. Mm-hmm. I understand what not salty yeah. enough is. I understand, and it, she leaves a lot of room for mistakes mm-hmm. too, which I think. For my personality type, as a very type A rule follower, recipe, I, I feel like I'm glued mm-hmm. to a recipe when I cook normally. Even if it's something that I know how to cook and I've been cooking for years, I still pull out the recipe and I'm and I six tablespoons of mm-hmm. you know basil. Does it really need to be six tablespoons? No, like doesn't. I'm being crazy. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, she is. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's the. What it really is is um um it's it is beautiful. Like I can't understate I can't understate. I, I can't understate, I can't overstate um how how lovely the rest the um I would not the recipes, the illustrations are. I know. I mean they're just like like and I think the illustrations are good because that's they're really the things that you're gonna remember. Mm-hmm. Like because like when you when you flip back and you get to the actual recipes, they all function they're all gonna function. But like right. before like 80% of the book, as you said, is not recipes. Yeah. And then finally toward the end, there are some recipes. But up to that point, you've been kind of, um, your brain has been sort of scrambled and opened up to just all of the science. Right. Um, all of the possibilities of, um, 
of, of how the, these essential components, um, these, these super categories of cooking work. I mean, I guess we should probably kind yeah, of kind of like lay these. it all down. Yeah. We'll backtrack a second. Yeah, okay. We love it clearly. Cause we're in love. Yeah. So the book is called salt, fat, acid, heat. Each of those words, salt, fat, acid, and heat are the four components to cooking that Samin basically says, if you can master these and understand how these work, you can cook everything and anything. I will say the one exception she gives about recipes is you need to hold tight to baking recipes is what she says. And that makes sense because they're very precise. But as far as cooking, have fun. The first one is salt. Salt is about flavoring food. So she talks about, you know, putting enough salt in the water when you boil pasta. She talks about the different kinds of salt. So salt can obviously come from salt, but it can come from cheese. It can come from animal fat. It can come from all sorts of things. So it's about, she basically explains why each thing is important. And then she talks about how, where you can find these things. She gives you examples of how to layer. So I think in the salt chapter, it's about making mayonnaise is the layering. So it's about the different kinds of salt that are in, or Caesar dressing. That's what it is. Um, Then the next one is fat. And fat is super interesting because fat is a flavor builder. Uh, when you think about olive oil, but it also is a medium for cooking heat. So you talk, she talks about the different kinds of fat you can use and the temperatures. And she talks about using fat for finishing things. Again, it could be an oil, it could be butter. Um, and she really gets into the science on that one. Acid is a flavor enhancer builder. Lemon juice. I mean, she talks about all the things that are acidic, including milk, which my husband was like, no, it's not. I was like, turns out milk is acid. He was like, well, then what's not acid? I was like, alkaline water, baking soda. That's all that she has in the picture in the book. So that's all I know. Um, but acid is a way to enhance flavor, to cut flavor, to build flavor, to manage flavor. And then the last one is heat, which is the way that you cook your food. So she talks about the different... Um, you know, she talks about boiling, she talks about simmering, she talks about grilling, she talks about the different ways you can saute and how the heat works and all of that stuff. Um, and so those are the main components of the book. And that takes up the first 200 pages of the book, which is so fantastic. It's really compelling reading. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that really um, it's, as I you know, when you say all of that together, it, it sounds overwhelming, you know, but it's the funny thing is, and the way she lays it out is it's not because she's a character in this with you. And when you mentioned her experience at Shea Panisse, which could be insufferably pretentious. Right. And, you know, I, I'm like, again, like, like it, that is like at surface, you know, I don't want to hear about your experience right. of learning I don't how care. to cook at Shea Panisse because, you, you know, but like in the end, she's just... She's self-deprecating. She admits her ignorance. She shows when there are happy accidents. And you kind of feel like you're in there with the kitchen with her, but she's this sort of um, uh, uh, super student. Like she yeah. is like, she is a student and there and uh, at heart and therefore an amazing teacher because she, she, she is, um, there's a sense of authority and wonder at yes. every turn. Oh my God, you're so right. And she's just like, you're like, like, believe me, I've, I've been bossed to by so many quote unquote chefs. And while she is a chef, she's a cook. Like she has the heart of a cook, yeah. but the mind of a chef. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and she, and she talks about her, you know, growing up as a kid and this, this, you know, 
the salty taste of the sea and how mm. some people will say like, oh, you need to salt your pasta water so it tastes like the sea. And she says, it should taste like your memory of the sea <laughs> because you don't actually want it to be 38%, right. you know, whatever. Right. And and so, so she undoes these sort of bossy pronouncements. And then like, that's a very poetic, it's a very poetic instruction. Like it yeah. should taste, it should taste, like your memory of the sea. Right. Not what the sea really is. Right. And that's like, that's like, that's not a recipe. Like that in the end is not a measurement. Right. It's not a pH level. It's like or, not even or, that or, helpful. Right. If you're trying to tell someone else how much salt to put in. But, but everyone, it works. But it works. Because right? everyone has that yeah. memory. And so I think that that's sort of like that um, ease and um, uh, relatability um, and the conversational yet fully authoritative way she conveys all of this is, is just, um, is, is fantastic. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I, I love it. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people might have seen the, um, the Netflix series, and, right. which I'm not sure if you I watched, watched one episode yes. yesterday. Uh-huh. I watched the fat episode. Yes. Um, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just watched the one, she goes to Italy, mm-hmm. she makes a bunch of stuff. She makes a focaccia that just looks like can I, I need to make that immediately. Yeah. Um, and she speaks Italian in it, which you're just like, of course you yes. speak Italian fluently. Just yeah. So casual. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she's, she is, um, you see that approachability when you finally see that you see the, the show, you see that she is self deprecating. She's just this passionate eater yeah. who will just like, this is really in the end, even though it's very, it could be scientific. Um, in the end, it's just about this like wordless, emotional, sensory experience. Yeah. And, 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 and um, so it doesn't feel like learning, but it, but it feels like liberation. Yeah. Well, I, I'll push back a little bit because some of it felt like learning for me. And I definitely struggled with some of the science. I'm okay. super bad at science, mm-hmm. super bad at science. And there were parts that I had to reread, especially in the heat section and the fat section. Okay. And I would be like, I don't understand what she's saying. I understood what the result was. Mm-hmm. Like she would talk about rendering the fat on a piece of steak, like making sure that you seal in on all the sides, like mm-hmm. turning it. Mm-hmm. But she had words for that that had to do with reactions and yeah, things. The Maillard reaction. Yeah. I was like, I don't get this. Or there was a section on diffusion and osmosis. And I, I actually, I had to read some of that. Twice. Yeah. My, one of my dear friends from high school, I, as I say that I'm terrible at science, I did take AP biology in high school, which is like my one claim to fame of being a smart person. And I struggled so much with that in high school. I, I was on the phone with my dear friend who's now a doctor. So he was good at science. And he goes, honestly, Tracy, it's just think of it as you pee in the toilet and then the water turns yellow. And so that's the only way that I understand diffusion now, even though that's not exactly it. But because, like, that's how my brain works. It has to be really broken down. So some of the science stuff for me felt too learning. But I think that that is just that I was a little confused. And some of it probably is also just I think that I'm bad at science. So when science comes up, I freak out, which yeah. is like a seven-year-old, you know, like, I'm like, I can't do it. Um, no, you don't. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> there is, there is, but there some, is, there's some focus required. Yeah. And you have is, to yeah. pay attention. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. she's giving you a lot of information, but you can't just, you have to actually consume it and pay attention to what she's saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is, I mean, that's good. Learning is good. Like I, one of the main notes I took down is I learned a ton in mm-hmm. reading this book. Mm-hmm. Like 
things like that. But one of the things that sticks out that I may hopefully will never forget as long as I live was about freezer burn. Mm -hmm. She talks about how what freezer burn is, is when the water inside your food, the cells, they burst and that water escapes. And so that's what's the water that has frozen in your plastic bag or in your wrapping or on your food. And I thought, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God, I well, understand life now. Well, the thing is, yeah, there, she, you know, she demystifies all of these sort of things that we almost, you know, in our, you know, uh, understandable ignorance because we can't comprehend everything at right. the molecular level. Right, <laughs> um, certainly. Um, uh, she just realized, you know, you you really realize that like these are not mysteries. This is is uh, we sh- intimidation. Uh, and, uh, this is not magic. This is, this is logical. Um, and if you would like the answer, what I love about this is like, if you would like the answer, you can have it and Mm -hmm. it's here. Like Mm -hmm. you don't like, again, like in my, you know, I, as I told you before, like I'm a kind of a snacker of a reader, you know, and like, and I think that like, if you are feeling a little like, uh, I, I would approach this book, um, if you want to like treat it like, um, an education um, or like a curriculum, you absolutely should read it start to finish. Yeah. Um, but she says that too. Yes. And she's very, and she, that's really what she, she recommends. Yeah. Um, but I would also say that like, um, if you are a, uh, a snacking reader, like I am who doesn't finish everything. Yeah. And like, honestly, like, like I, like I, here's like, I will return to this book for refresher courses on things. Like mm-hmm. you, I don't think that anyone should ever tr- feel like you've re- read this and you're done. Like you no. should, it is a textbook. There's a it's, ton of information. Yeah, and it's like, and like if you are going to be like, let's say you haven't braised for the, for a wind for the, um, you know, between winters. Right. Right. And like next fall or winter, like I, I probably will return to the braising section and just try to get a little deeper knowledge of what's going on. Right. Um, you know, when I do, slow, go slow and low on something. Right. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Do you have someone who is around food a lot and cooks a lot and all that? Do you have food anxiety? Like, do you have fear of cooking certain things or certain foods that you won't try or types of cuisine? Or is that more like a layman cook? No, thing? no. I mean, I, um, uh, I have a little, I mean, I have anxiety around baking because okay. I'm so like, I, because I am resistant to oh. um the guardrails <laughs> and the precision we're opposite here <laughs> obviously <laughs> so i am like i'm like i'm like uh and that's not to say that i won't get into baking at some point in my life um but i do i love the i love the freedom uh to not do something the way like like once you start a baking recipe you have to do it the way yeah. they say, right? right. And, and 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 I th- that is mostly true. And I will say that there's actually a, a Chad Robertson, I think, in the Tartine Baking Book says um, that's actually not true. He's like people are very strict about. Um, I think even even in Shapenese Shapenese baking, um, they say people say it's scientific. It is, but then you can also improvise out the wazoo if you know, you know what you're doing. Like, you know, like a jam is a jam, but like be right. aware of the acidic acidity levels, right. but like you can still play within it. Like it's not, right. You know. Well, you can improvise with like a pie filling, like how you season yeah, your apples, there you go. but like yeah. you can't go nuts on the crust. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you gotta yeah, be right. strict on the crust. No, you're right. Okay. So see, so that's why I don't, yeah. So I do clearly have anxiety about baking because okay. when you say that, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to try that. Yeah. yeah. I see. I have, I used to have anxiety about pie crust and mm-hmm. then I found a pie crust recipe I mm-hmm. loved from Smitten Kitchen, mm-hmm. and it's great. And now that's what I use anytime I do anything. I'll use it. I don't really like to make pie. I prefer a galette because it's so much easier. Yeah. But that's what I use. Um, but I have so I have so much food cooking anxiety around meat mm-hmm. and like the right kind of meat and the cut of meat, which is why I love a braised whatever. I love a ragu, but I never make it because I'm mm-hmm. scared. I'm scared I'm going to not get the right amount or like I'm not going to know how to cut the fat off or that I, you know, I just have so much like around yeah. it. Yeah. So this book, I took a note. I was like, okay, braises on this page. Mm-hmm. And she, what she does is she tells you, okay, this is this kind of meat. This is how you do it with this kind of meat. This is how mm-hmm. long you need to cook it with this kind of right. meat. Like she really breaks it down, but she, again, still says there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. It, you, it almost feels like when she wrote this book, 
she really wanted to write the first 200 pages and she didn't really want to write the recipe part. Yeah. And her publisher was like, well, you can't make a cookbook without recipes. You know, I think you're, you're probably, <laughs> you, know? you're, you might be right there. Cause it just it, feels like she does, she doesn't want to write recipes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, and like, like, uh, I, 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 the heart of the book really is the first, like the thrilling yeah. part is the first 200 pages. Yeah. And the other part's just like, okay, so like, you know. Um, and there's a lot of information in the other half. Like there's lots of paragraphs before the recipes or section, whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, she, it felt like that first 200 pages was her baby. And then her, her and her editor fought for two weeks and she was like, fine this is how you make whipped cream this is how you like you know like that she was like okay because i think there are there are absolutely are better books and better recipes sure then like the first half there is nothing better than what she did in the first half right there's a lot that's better than the second half and like i would say like i'm like i'm inspired by the first half and like as i like uh i think there's enough the recipes in the back are fine but it's just like what do i really want to make out of here like i'm actually I don't know, like I've made, I don't know, the pasta, like a, the Bolognese pasta and Marcella Hazan's Essentials of Classic Italian Cooking is probably better than right. hers and is more interesting to read and, right. and, and, and learn from, right. you know. Um, but uh, Marcella can't set up um, the broad view of every super component right. of cooking the way that right. has. Yeah. yeah, her Samin's recipes feel like the very very basics like mm-hmm. she she has a section on dressing and it's mm-hmm. like every vinaigrette you've ever heard of and it's basically the exact same thing she just changes two mm-hmm. two things um and she she also has she'll have a recipe let's see let me let me pull up one whoops she'll have a recipe for just gonna go to a random one when i find it okay she'll have a recipe for light and flaky buttermilk biscuits and she goes through all of the ingredients mm-hmm. and what she learned about how to do it and then afterwards she says variations for shortcake, instead of X, Y, and Z, add sugar. For fruit cobbler, instead of this, do that. Mm-hmm. And she gives you another two recipes kind of just off the cuff because mm-hmm. she really is not interested in the recipe part, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because it makes – for someone like me who has food anxiety mm-hmm. and has a baker's heart, it feels like, okay, it's not that big of a deal if I mess this up. Mm-hmm. Whereas – and that's a bad example because that is baking. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, okay, I can just dive into – this salad dressing and if I fuck it up, I fuck it up and I throw it away. And if not, like, great, I found this new dressing. And so I think that 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 freedom that she gives her, an empowerment, like you said, that Mm -hmm. she gives her at-home cooks Mm -hmm. is invaluable Mm -hmm. because cooking can be scary. You know, it it can be scary. And like I'm trying to think like like I'm scared by stepping into – into cuisines that are not that I'm not deeply familiar with because I don't want to like I don't want to be the novice at like like how to make like dashi you know Japanese <laughs> dashi that like tastes the way it should like I was like I have no right. idea like I've, I've had good dashi before but like I I don't have 20 years of experience cooking <laughs> like Japanese broths the way I do 20 years of experience cooking Italian sauces, you know, Italian right. tomato sauce. So like, and I, and it took me a long time to be, to be able to improvise like a bolognese. It took me, right. and, I, and like, it took me 20 years to be good right. at that, right? right. And, and you don't want to eat, you don't want to spend time cooking a food that's not going to taste good. Exactly. So like, I'm, I'm scared to like, I've never made like, um, dashi. And like, even though like, like, cause it t- seems to me like it's, it's super intimidating and like, I don't know, like, 
I think I would have to cook dashi like five times to get it right. And I do have to say that like with all of this knowledge, you still have to cook over and yeah, over and she over says again. That. Yeah, right. She says like do these recipes a few times. Once you feel good, then you can start improvising, mm-hmm. which is why I think that recipes aren't particularly inspired either. Mm-hmm. She really just wants to get you up and running. Exactly. You know, she's like, okay, let me, what's the simplest, most delicious way I can make, you know, this slow cooked salmon. Once you get it, once you get the hang of it, you get what it's supposed to look like and feel like, then I've given you the tools to make it mm-hmm. bang, bang, outstanding. Like, yeah, in some ways it's like she's, um, the funny thing is if you've ever looked at a recipe at a restaurant, from, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen like an industrial recipe from like, not even industrial, but just like what a recipe, um, how cooks um, what, what they're instructed to, like, let's say you were hired to be like a sous chef at, you know, I don't know, Austria Mozza, and they give okay. you the recipe. The recipe would be very short, and it right. would assume that you knew all of the first of half the steps, of this book, yeah. right? And so, like, you know, it's just like braise, you know, sear and braise off twenty pounds of <laughs> lamb shanks, right? You would freak out, right? But of like, course. unless you done it 20 times, read this book, knew right. these principles and through practice had arrived at the right way of doing it. Right. And you might not even like, if you're a professional cook, you might not even be able to put it into like words. It's what just, you do. yeah, it's, it's just like assumed knowledge through repetition. Right. And you wouldn't be able to explain it the way she does, but she sets you up to then understand. So maybe you don't have to do it 20 times. You can do it three. Like, right. like she says. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's like, so they really are like professional recipes are almost like very just short, bullet points with mm-hmm. not they're not many full sentences right, right. they're not make sure you know the, sometimes there'll be some little insertion of something that the chef thinks is crucial to the mm. success of the dish but it's a lot of these fundamentals that she gets into well um, that's why so many cookbooks are not intuitive for at-home chef or mm-hmm. at-home cooks because a chef has written it and it maybe hasn't been tested right mm-hmm. or it's mm-hmm. been tested by people who get it also mm-hmm. and it's like sometimes i'll be cooking a recipe and be like i don't understand how i got from x to Z, like mm-hmm. where is Y, mm-hmm. and I think that happens a lot with like important chefs. Yeah, you know, they right. they're like, Ugh, if you don't know how to do this already, right? Which for me is immediate panic. Yeah, I failed. I don't. I don't know how to get the fish out of the pan mm-hmm. onto the lettuce. Yeah, I need someone to tell me what to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when people are listening to this episode, it's the week before Thanksgiving, maybe two weeks before Thanksgiving. It's close to Thanksgiving. What do you say to people preparing for major cooking? What would I say? Yeah. Oh. Because uh, like now I'm going to cook a full Thanksgiving dinner because I'm inspired by this book. Mm-hmm. And I've done it before. Mm-hmm. But what do you say? Do you do it? Do you do Thanksgiving? I'm, you know, it's like I'm, I, I have. Mm-hmm. I don't always. Okay. I'm not like the, the last Thanksgiving we did. Um, we had uh carnitas we like did a whole mm. you know so you know we got a pork shoulder and and uh you know braised that okay. and and um and i gotta say like that's you know it's it's i would say if you're gonna do um the traditional stuff which which it can be good it's again not my favorite it's usually disgusting menu. we yeah. call it baby food it's like a lot of baby food <laughs> yes. it's like yams and right, like right. wilted vegetable well are you gonna do the traditional i probably will yeah mm-hmm. i'm i like tradition okay but i mix it up i like i do i do a bird mm-hmm. i brine a bird right. like real mm-hmm. bird but now you're gonna head into brining with a much more 
understanding yeah. of how mm-hmm. it works because I didn't know how it worked. I just put the ingredients in exactly like they told me. Um, yeah. And then I'll throw in like I like a savory sweet potato, not mm-hmm. a marshmallow sweet yeah, potato. Agreed. So I do like a bacon sage one. Mm. Delish. Sounds great. Um, and I make a mac and cheese that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I make a great mac and cheese. My two favorite ingredients, noodles and cheese. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you have like good advice for people. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's like uh, you don't have to make like five side dishes. No. Like, you know, it's honestly it's like because everyone – Everyone always overeats and you don't, if there are five side dishes, like you see those plates where it's just like ridiculous. It's like, you know, yeah. it, it, food is falling over the edge because you. And it's you, all like one color. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, it's, um, I think that if you are going to do a bird, um, absolutely play with the brine, you know, yeah. and um, and I'm not sure if you're going to brine it or if you're going to like. Do the dry salt rub, like a I salt rub. I do the wet one. Mm-hmm, where you mm-hmm. like put it in a big bag with like yeah. liquid. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that I'm. Um, I would just make sure you just kill it with the with 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 the turkey, and also um, learn how to carve it. Mm. Like like there's a very important carving technique. How can I learn how to carve it? Where do I go? Who will tell me that? I can't remember. There was a book. Um, there. Did I learn it from a book or a video? I can't remember. It's okay. Um, yeah, but it's not like the side slice. It's yeah. not where you're going. We you usually know. take like cut off the whole breast and yes. like cut it into chunks. That's, Is that's, that the, that's way? the way to go. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, what I do yeah. with my roast chicken. Too. Yes, exactly. Because yes. it's juicier. Right. And um, yeah, and then everyone gets little skin on the outside. Yeah. And, yeah. Though I don't eat the breast. I only eat dark meat. Okay. Yeah. that's Because it's the good part. Exactly. It's Thanksgiving. Yes. Are you on a diet? Do you need to be eating dry chicken no, bread or I, turkey I know, breast? I know. But the funny thing is, like, you know, a good roast chicken is better than a, a, than a, it's true. Than a good turkey any day. Chicken is far superior to turkey. Yes. That's why we only eat turkey like once a year. Um, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I except guess it's like deli sandwiches. Meat. Yeah. But I don't, I don't like a turkey sandwich. I used to. I don't, I don't like, I haven't had a turkey sandwich forever. If yeah. I'm going to have a sandwich, I'm going to go salami maybe or roast yeah. beef, right. something fattier, juicier. Yes. Now, do you feel like you understand, do you feel like this, um, that the book, synthesized the balance of all of those things in your mind? Do you feel mm. like in the end, while well, it broke it down into these uh, four component, these four, I wouldn't say components, but building blocks. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like in the end you could become a better um, improviser using all of those things? I do think mm-hmm. so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that I understand the why a mm-hmm. little bit more. Like I understand why it's important to salt your meat early. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I understood how salt worked with protein enough, mm-hmm. which I still probably don't understand it fully, but I didn't understand it enough to understand why that was important. But now I'm thinking, okay, next time I roast a chicken, I'm going to make sure that I salt it the day before. Or, okay, if this doesn't taste right, these are my options. And I think I think the fixing of the recipe is where normally I would just be like, something's not right, it's gross. Yes. Instead of being like, oh, it just needs more lemon juice. I Okay. So you comprehend that. Do you feel like you could um, improvise a salad? Could you invent a salad? Like if I just said, hey. A salad dressing or no, a the salad? Entire, like if you to go to the go to Whole Foods yeah. right now and you need to create a salad 
um, using the principles in this book and talk me through every part of the salad that you learned Hmm. from how does what you learned in the book play out in this salad? Would you be able to create and explain what you learned in a sort of show and tell? I think so, but mm-hmm. here's where, I, where I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I've eaten many salads in my life that have been delicious, so I feel that I would be influenced by those things. Okay, but aren't they one and the same? Like, I mean, sure. So, so she okay. So you know those things, right. and now you know why they. So you're influenced by those salads, right? You now have the knowledge, right, of of why how all the components work together, come together. Do you feel like you could now create yes. salads? I could better. create a salad. Okay. What? But that doesn't involve heat, which I feel like mm-hmm. might be where I get thrown off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I could, I, I had a salad at Erewhon yesterday. It was mm-hmm. delicious. And mm-hmm. I put all my components and I shook it up and I mm-hmm. had, it was good. Okay. I, I think I, I think I could improvise some things. Mm-hmm. I think I could improvise like a pasta okay. sauce. All I right. think I could do that okay. because I feel comfortable with pasta. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could improvise a braise mm-hmm. because I don't do that yet. Mm-hmm. But I think like if it was something that I kind of do normally, I could improvise. Okay. So with um, – I don't know why I'm stuck on the salad thing. I okay. think you actually could – I mean uh, I could heat a salad if I needed to. Well, you could heat a component of the salad. Yeah, like I could heat up like – I could do like a grilled romaine. Exactly. There you go. I could try that. So, and what would the, okay. Okay. And then I would put, okay, summertime. Well, it's not summer, but it's summer in LA because it's 90 degrees. But I would do a grilled romaine and then I would, well, and then I would put maybe some. So that's the heat. So tell me what the heat. So what did you learn from heat? The heat section that would would, would, would influence how you grilled the romaine. Well, I would. Or at least can you articulate what would happen in that grilling? Well, I would make sure that my heat sources were, got hot, but then I would not want to put it directly on the heat because it's a gentle lettuce, Mm -hmm. but I would want it to get a little grilled up. So I would make sure that it was on a warm, like a toasty part, but not directly over the heat. Mm-hmm. And I would move it around a lot to make sure that it was like cooking right. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. How am I doing? Great. Doing great. Yeah. <laughs> then I would take it off. Then I would have, well, for me, I don't like a lot of vegetables. So what vegetables would I want to put on there? I would want to put a, I think it would need a creamy dressing. Right. Because I think it would need some good fat to go with it. Mm-hmm. So I would do something like a, well, I guess, I mean, I won't do a Caesar, but something like that, a creamy, like kind of garlicky, rich, a rich taste there. Mm-hmm. And then it definitely needs something crunchy. So maybe like some bacon and that's mm-hmm. another source of fat and salt. Mm-hmm. So that would be good. And then it needs probably another vegetable. So even though I don't really like tomatoes, I know other people mm-hmm. like them and they're kind of acidic. So I'll put some little, those little tomatoes, those little cherry tomatoes, cut them in half. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll give. And then I would put some lemon probably at the end or in the dressing, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of dressing I made and salt and pepper. Okay. How'd I do? I think you're doing great. I think okay. you're doing great. I want to ask you a question about <laughs> because then the, she does talk about. Uh, the bacon in the heat section. Okay. Um, and, oh, I would kick the bacon in the oven. And why would you do that? Because I think bacon cooked in the oven tastes better mm-hmm. and it's more evenly cooked mm-hmm. and I can monitor it better. Mm-hmm. That's right. just how I like to cook bacon. Right. But right. I would put it in there probably at like 350-ish mm-hmm. and then I would watch it because that's right. what she tells you to do. Yes, yes, yes. And probably turn the pan. Sounds and like you, what you're doing do. is you're and 
do you remember the word for I'm rendering. Yeah, exactly. I'm rendering. I know I'm rendering. I'm so proud of myself. Um, and then I would cut up the bacon really, really small. Mm-hmm. So it was like crunchy bits. And yeah. she talks about these like little bread crumb, crumb bits in mm-hmm. her thing. And I probably would sprinkle some of those mm-hmm. on top too because right. I like a crunch. And I think, yeah, so you've done, you've done a lot. You've built it. I mean, so clearly you actually know, you know, and I think a lot of cooks know more than what they realize. Yeah. And I think that's, um, but to be able to codify it is right. what she allows you to do. And that then yeah. liberates you. And and I think that she, I think she allows you to then, I think that this would allow you to, you to do what I, I do a lot of, which is um, read a menu or read a dish at a restaurant or do a description mm-hmm. of a dish at a restaurant and begin to imagine what it would taste like mm. because, because you understand these components and that like right. um, there, there are like, you will see that like, so many dishes at restaurants have been sort of formulaically structured to um, satisfy in all of these ways, mm. right? It's not just like, oh, these chefs know how to combine things. It's just these crazy ways that I don't understand. It's like, no, you understand it. You do it all the right. time. Right, you do it all the you time. You do it all the time. Like your salad that you just made up has everything that every great, most great dishes at every right. restaurant have, which right. is like, you know, uh, some layer of creamy unctuousness some aggressive salting in the bacon right. textural contrast from the the romaine that you've already made more interesting than just straight romaine right. because it's going to be charred in spots right. and and um and 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 softer in spots um so you're already like building complexity and more complexity is more interesting and more it's more it's more sensory information and more sensory information where everything is sort of in counterpoint or harmony mm-hmm. is more delicious because right. we just like, we like like our tongues and mouths and eyes like a lot mm. as long as it all adds up, right? right. I want to change something on my salad. What? I want to take the tomatoes out because I don't like tomatoes. And I kind of feel like maybe I want some sort of a fruit element, something okay. like kind of sweet yeah. and like, like something like apple or pear or oh, it's something. It's funny that you're taking the tomato out because the tomato is a sweet thing and it is I a fruit. I hate tomatoes Right? Though. So yeah. But, no, but you're right. So you're taking, you're taking the populist sweet tart thing and you want to replace it with another sweet tart yeah. thing. So I like your – so I yeah. think your apple and it would probably be, I think needs, your apple would be great with the bacon. And it probably and needs then, a little red onion. Yep. For the, but yeah. she would say you have to put the red onion – She would. what did she call that? Where you like put it in – an acid to yep. like suck out some of the. Yeah. Um, she has a word for it. Term. I'm blanking. Anyways. Acidulation? No. No. It's not macerate, but it's no. something like that. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, but I would do that. Okay. And I would make them like thin slices, not like little squares, just because I think that that would be more fun for me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It'll, it'll look better too. Um, I think my salad sounds really good. I think but it sounds fantastic. I feel like I probably already had that salad before somewhere else. Okay, so let me ask you. Now, you come to my restaurant, you eat my salad. How do you approach writing about food and flavors? Like how much of salt, fat, acid, and heat are things that you're thinking about when you're mm-hmm. writing about food? Yeah. Um, well, I think this is – because her book is so uh, – about the underpinnings and sort of the behind the scenes and the principles between a at, behind arriving at something. I think that like, yeah, when I'm tasting something like, um, like for example, I went to a brand new restaurant, um, in Santa Monica called Onda O N D A. And it's the new restaurant from 
um, Gabby Camara from um, Contramar in Mexico City and Kala in San Francisco and um, Jessica Kozlow from Squirrel in Silver Lake. Okay. And there, so there are these two super talented chefs who just opened this restaurant together and at the proper hotel. And um, so it's like, you know, very exciting for a food person to uh, a food professional food editor writer to go taste for the first time these creations from like two of my favorite chefs right? right and whose restaurants are both individually amazing and so there's just this curiosity and so it's you know it's like so i mean so much of what writing is is like as you know is is um is kind of context and setting the scene and so i've already been i've stepped into their narrative already mm-hmm. like i've stepped into their room i've stepped into mm. their narrative i start reading the the menu and the menu is menus are liter literature. They can be, and they are right. whether it's, it's good or bad literature, right. you know? And, um, <laughs> and so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but I think I, since this is a, a podcast about reading, you mm-hmm. know, cause books, you know, it's, it's as much about reading and, and even outside of the book. Right. Right. And, and so there was a menu item, um, called fish hiding in kelp. Mm. And so I'm like, all right, that's provocative. That's provocative. Yeah. And that's like, okay, what is this? And then it's um, seaweed. It's basically like an Italian, like it reminds me of an Italian fritto misto. Right? Okay. And so, but it's. Which is like mixed fried fish things. Yes. Yes. So it's um, kelp. You know? Okay. So, so seaweed. it's seaweed that's been chopped up. Um, and then fresh anchovies. Okay. And then slices of lemon. Okay. okay? So we're talking about salt, acid, acid, salt, fat, acid, and heat, yes. right? And this dish embodies all of those principles, and um, in in very in a very elemental way. So, and then it comes with a little dip that looks like green goddess dressing. I can't even remember what the dip is, but it's 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 a nice acidic and okay. creamy fat okay. counterpoint to these crisp fried, fine masa battered um, kelp anchovies and thinly sliced lemons and it's salty it's crunchy it's been applied to this high fat oil that is and so this is what i know i'm eating this thing and it is incredible and i know why it's incredible because Mm -hmm. i know these principles right and i know that the oil was most likely 350 degrees because that is the near perfect temperature Mm -hmm. that she gets into to some degree i can't remember if it's 350 is what she says but that where things can be deep fried and the inside gets cooked at the right, right, the right speed, and the the outside becomes crisp, um, and the water comes out and of the of of the of the ingredient, and so and then you have this you know salty, you know this salty kelp to which heat has been applied to a batter that crisps up the batter that is also crisped on the highly acidic. Uh, lemon, right? And she gets into acidity right. and what what lemon acidity is, um, and how that works and what that does to your palate. Um, and then the anchovies are the fattiest component because right. they're this very fatty fish that is also inherently salty. Salty, and so it's a pretty salty dish. I have to say, like they're going to dial back the salt because <laughs> at the end they add salt too, right? Um, and so they don't need to add as much salt, but right. it was still delicious and crunchy. And so I think about um, what she talks about when I talk about when I think about this dish, and I know that um, they thought about these things and they considered the balance of acid. And to put without the lemons, 
that wouldn't be a complete dish. Right. And that is hmm. the crucial acidic component that so many chefs um, and so many, rather, so many home cooks don't comprehend yeah. to a degree. And it's like, like, like uh, what I've learned of anything, and it's, I can think of many cookbooks, many chefs I've talked to, many stories I've written where like, in which the message is, uh, is repeated and clear. Um, home cooks don't use enough fat, hmm. salt, or acid. Yeah. Right. And it's like, that's, and they also don't heat, they don't use the heat the right way. So right. it's like, it's like, it's like, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. Right. And right. So it's like, you know, more fat, more acid, more salt. And like, and just play with those things and play right. with the heat level. And those are how you get all the magic. So right. I, I think do people think are scared salt. of salt and fat, mm-hmm. like that it's not healthy and you're mm-hmm. going to have a heart attack or something. Yeah. Like, I think that that's where that comes from. Yes. And I don't think people understand acid and heat. Yes. I think people know, mm-hmm. like, if you put a ton of butter on something, it's probably mm-hmm. going to taste better. Mm-hmm. But people are like, oh, we can't mm-hmm. have butter. We have to have, I can't believe it's not butter, which, no, yeah, you don't have to do that. Yeah, no. Don't and, do that. Yeah. And I think that, like, I think people don't realize, like, you want, like, things to taste um, uh, dynamic, right. right? And, like, acid is super dynamic and, right. and like, borders on aggressive. Right. Salt can, too. And, and... And fat too. It's like so. It's like kind of play with a heavy hand with those things in the right way at the right moment. And often, toward, like at the beginning, um, the salting at the beginning is such a crucial thing that she really right. gets she into. She drives that home hard. Yeah, and that's like, and that is one of the most important things you can do. And so, like, right. I love that she starts. She starts with that, right? Yeah. And um, and uh, it's um, yeah. So I guess they. I think about these things and I practice these things all the time and. And she really came up with the short list that like. Right. Because she says in the book, when she took this idea to one of the chefs or cooks at Chez Panisse, they were like, yeah, duh. And <laughs> right. she's like, right, but it's not actually written down anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so then she spent 15, 17 years learning how to cook for real and kind of making, I'm assuming, her own mental list of salt, fat, acid, heat, and how it all works, then she wrote it down. And so it's, you're right, it's something, excuse me, it's something that we all probably inherently know mm-hmm. when we taste a food, like, oh, mm-hmm. this tastes right. Yeah. But we don't necessarily understand what is making it right or how those things mm-hmm. work together. And yes. So she wrote it down and she said, this is what your taste buds already know. Right. Oh, and here's the thing. And here is, this is going to sound like a very, this is going to sound deeply pretentious, much like the idea that like she's learning all these lessons at Shea Panisse, which is actually <laughs> a fantastic place beyond the top level pretension right. uh, alert that one might get triggered to um, or by. Um, this is going to sound really pretentious, but like, it is, we do know, we yeah. are right. You're right, you just don't know what to do with that right. knowledge necessarily. Right. And like, this is this example. Um, I was working on a story um, in, in for Condé Nast Traveler and I was in Burgundy mm. cooking with, or helping, writing a story about Ludo, Ludo you know, Ludo Lefebvre, mm-hmm. um, returning to his um, home um region of France. And so I was in a kitchen with him cooking for some winemakers in, in the South of France and, you know, and, and not South France, Burgundy. And so, but we were like, we, it was me and a couple of his colleagues, um, who are not chefs, you know, one was a wine person. One's like, right. they're both wine people, GMs, you know, we, we all know how to cook, but we're not chefs right. and we don't work in the kitchen. And, um, 
but we were helping Ludo because we had to prep and we were, we were and so we were, there was a sauce or uh, like a kind of a cream wine sauce for some chicken and we're and he's you know he's making it but you know we're helping him chop stuff we're helping him saute things and then so the sauce is coming together at the end and he thinks it's done but he's like okay like everyone taste it and he's like hands out spoons and he's like you know he's taste it he's like what do you think what do you think they're like like he literally wanted to know what three Mm. people who weren't him who weren't professional cooks what does it need more of he's like what does it need more of what's is it is there enough acid is there enough salt and people like more more acid more acid and then like and then it's like we try, he's like, okay, try it again, try it again. And we're like, it's like, it's really good. And he's like, he's like, maybe like a little more acid. And they're like, <laughs> okay. And we tried it and we're like, oh my God, then it's done. But it was only done until three non-chefs had all agreed that it right. was as delicious as it could be. Mm-hmm. And he trusted us and to some degree, like, you know, needed uh, our, he didn't need us, but we made it better right. because we we knew what was good. And he was like, and he understands that even though he's the guy who knows everything and can make things delicious, that, um, that what other people think just common non chefs think, um, they, that they have wisdom that's important. I think we, and so we all, we all have something that is, um, that is like a chef, even if we don't have all the chef knowledge. And so then Samin gives you a lot of that knowledge so that you can be, um, you can feel more confident and um, you can actually affect how things taste. Be, and then you can, you like your opinion and your experience of things, you know, you know how you can then modify things off of what your taste right. experience is. Right. Well, this is kind of reminds me of what we were talking about last week when we were talking about, you know, the political act of feeding yourself or feeding mm-hmm. others and reading recipe and whatever. And it's also now becoming more clear to me that it has a lot of a I mean, I mean, I know that eating with other people is communal, mm-hmm. but this idea that there's a communal palate or some sort of that we're all contributing to the work of other people's food. And if you serve something at a dinner party mm-hmm. and you get certain feedback, then mm-hmm. the next time you serve it, right. you're going to adjust and that it's super collaborative. And, and that's in just the tasting part of it. But in watching her show, just the episode that I watched, the fat episode mm-hmm. where she goes all over you know, this region of Tuscany and gets all these different ingredients and makes all this stuff, you see, you know, the, the prosciutto comes from a butcher Mm. and that that's part of the collaboration. And the bread is with the focaccia guy and that's part of the collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that as we're making this food, it's not just about, you know, our ingredients that we bought at the store or the farmer's market, but it's also about where those things came from and how those, those people's philosophy on salt, mm-hmm. fat, acid, mm-hmm. and heat, right? Like mm-hmm. that it's all, you could take this much more directly to the source. Yeah. If you wanted to go that way. Right. With your thinking. Right, right. But that those, like the person who makes the salami mm-hmm. is also thinking about salt and fat and acid and heat. Yeah. As they're making their part of your meal. Right, right. Absolutely. And, and that they're... And that in return, like if cooking, as we talked about last week, was is is the most intimate narrative in some ways. If, if, if a recipe and the knowledge, the if a if a recipe is someone's personal interpretation and sort of codification and algorithm of how to then share something that they created with to then unlock it for others in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what people then do with that is 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 again taking in in a very personal and intimate um a creation and then and then embodying it and uh in some ways um then sharing it with themselves and the diners that that they share the table with and that those diners in return in sharing knowledge could then modify right that the thing that that story, that narrative, right. that, that algorithm. And then if that algorithm can be changed, and then you then you as the author of that recipe right. um have um taken in the community that you've you've right. served. So that's yeah, like a feedback loop. Yes. Yes. Um two things and well two things for us to get out of here. One, and I, I have to say this as someone who loves milk. Mm-hmm. And as a huge, I, I like to joke that I'm part of the milk lobby because I love milk, <laughs> whole milk. There is a part where she talks about being at Chez Panisse and asking for a glass of milk. That's right. And I, t- reading this in bed, I turn to my husband and I go, well, this is the greatest book that's ever been written because she ordered milk at Chez Panisse. And yeah. we're from the Bay Area, so that mm-hmm. restaurant has always like kind of loomed yeah. over you know our heads. Right. But I just, I loved that because that is her. Uh-huh. Like how she's so unpretentious in such a pretentious space. But I think that like in the end, I think that, but they brought it to her, right? They sure did. Yeah. Well, the thing is, but I think that her request was the most logical request in the world. Of course, she was having chocolate souffle. And I I thought that like, I think (laughs) that it's like, because the funny thing is that eventually people started serving cookies and milk as a dessert. We had cookies and milk at our wedding. Yeah. And it it, it become, (laughs) because I think it it is, it just makes complete and total sense. And I remember her, I think that like, I think it's fantastic, and I and I do think that they probably really appreciated that. Um, right. And I think isn't that the night? That's not the same night that she asked for a job. Was she it? went back yeah. and brought a letter saying how meaningful mm-hmm. it was and like begged mm-hmm. for a job. And yeah. the person who she brought the letter to yes. ended up being the manager who right. was the person who showed her the souffle and brought her the milk. Well, and the thing they is, I think connection. when she, and because of that, she actually proved that she understood food right. and, and and how things taste right. and how good things. And she also showed a passion. Right. Um, it's funny because that reminds me of a time that I, my wife and I talk about all the time when we were in New York and um, we were at a great restaurant um, on the Lower East side in the late nineties. And it was, it had been, you know, given however many stars the New York times was giving at the time. And, and it, it got the max, you know, the very best right. review and, right, and it right, was, right. supposedly one of the best restaurants as you know, the early, the nineties sort of restaurant golden, the golden era of the downtown restaurant mm. or the beginning of it. And, um, at the end of this meal, my friend Jake, uh, <laughs> it was the end of the meal. It was the end of the night. There are hardly any diners in it. You know, we'd had some wine, right? But the food was so good, and uh, it was it was the dessert, and we were finishing up, and there was some sauce on the plate, and my friend Jake was like, "I just want to like lick this plate." <laughs> he's like, "I just want to lick this plate." He's literally holding it, and the chef's walking through the dining room, and it, he hears him, and, and he's like, "Go for it!" And he just like he's like, <laughs> oh "Thanks," gosh. and he just <laughs> licks the plate, and the chef was so happy. Right. But it was the most it was the the rudest thing you mm. could do. It was the most mm-hmm. gauche, yeah, you know offensive, selfish, but also um, uh, unbridled, you know, passionate act that this guy could do. Right. And the chef was like so happy that he made food that could lead to someone to lick the Licking plate, the plate. Which you would not do in a four-star restaurant right. typically. But it was the moment. And as a result, that was probably the 
you know, probably one of the highlights of that chef's evening. Sure. So, and, yeah. you know, and like it was, it was, it's, that's what she, she clearly like, it's that we all have this passion that she has. And I think right. that's what's like, and I love that she didn't feel intimidated to not to the degree that she wouldn't ask for the milk. Right. So I think we should, we should always ask for the milk. I, and I literally ask yeah. for the milk often. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last thing we talk about always is the cover and the title. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of both of these things? Um, I think, I think the, I think the the title I think is is fantastic. I mean, I think it's yeah. it's um, you know, it's, it's elemental. You know, and right. I think it's just I do like it's just I love that it's a series of of words, and I I know these are all things that I love, and I know like I, I again like I didn't need to be told this because I have worked with these principles for so long, right. but I love that someone has finally done it. So. In such yeah. a, and, but I think in a way the cover, um, the hand, uh, you know, the illustration, um, which is basically a shelf of um, things that are very familiar to us, but that really when you break it down, it's just this li- lovely sort of naive drawing of um, all of the all of these things: canned tomatoes, olive oil, um, various vinegars, you know, a big a bundle or a couple of sort of bundles of herbs and chilies yeah. and salty anchovies and, um, yeah, the rich olive oil, all the components. Um, and, and that it's handwritten that the whole thing is hand drawn. So it's basically, it's not, it's not a, it's not a font. It's, it's right. a, um, I think it's, uh, I think it all conveys what is inside. I agree with you fully. I think it's beautiful. I also think this is the end papers. Mm-hmm. It's the pantry essentials and the kitchen essentials and it's black and white drawing. And it, I think those are also just fantastic. I think that the title is so smart and clean and just there's yep. no junk. There's no extra. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think Wendy McNaughton's illustrations are phenomenal. Oh yeah. I think they're just so beautiful. I just think this book is so beautiful. For those of you who have not actually read this book or looked at this book, go find this book. If you, if you're not sure you want to commit to it, Check it out of your library. Take a look at it. I, I highly recommend it. If you're interested in food, even if you're, you think you know all the things to know about being a home chef, or if you think I'm terrified of cooking and I don't want to cook anything and I really love takeout, I still encourage you to check out this book, which is very rare for me. Normally, I don't really harass you guys about certain books, but I just found this to be so valuable that I think there's something for everyone in this book to just play with, mm-hmm. I would say. Hugh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And we will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And of course, a huge thank you to our guest, Hugh Garvey. Find everything we discussed in today's episode in the link in the show notes. Get your book recommendation read on air by sending an email to askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out the website, thestackspodcast.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, go to patreon.com slash The Stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review this show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 